In November of 1984, Margaret was a graduate student in Philadelphia. Winter break came so early that year that it made no sense to travel home to Alabama for Thanksgiving. As the dark nights grew longer and the winds blew colder, she began to waver a, a bit. Was it, was it too late? Could I still change my mind and make my way home? But she knew it was too late, far too late. Besides, she had papers to write and papers to grade. Plus, she had no car and forget trying to book a flight this close to a holiday. Even if she had money, had money to spare for a ticket, Amtrak was already sold out and the long, long bus ride home was too daunting to even think about. So she simply resigned herself to spending Thanksgiving in Philly, a thousand miles from home. The Sunday before Thanksgiving on her weekly call home to her parents, she admitted, I don't think I can stand it here. I don't know if I can do this. Just come home, Dad said. It's too late, she was crying. It, it's way too late, Dad. You can always come home, sweetie, her dad said. Even if one day you marry a scoundrel, you can always leave him and come home. 35 years later, she cherishes the memory of that phone call. Margaret Renkel writes in her book, Late Migrations, A Natural History of Love and Loss. And I quote from her book. These words, these were words of loving reassurance from a father to his child. A reminder that as long as he and my mother were alive, there would always be a place in the world for me, a place where I would always belong, even if I didn't always believe that I belonged there. But I wonder now, decades later, if my father's words were more than a reminder of my everlasting place in the family. I wonder now if they were an expression of his own longing for the days when all of his chicks were still in the nest. The circle was still closed and the family that he and my mom had made was complete. I gave no thought to it then, she says, but I think of it all the time now. I think of my father's words across a bad landline connection in 1984, a call that reached my homesick heart in cold, Philadelphia. I think of the 26-hour bus ride to the heart of Greyhound darkness that followed, a desperate journey that got me home in time for the squash casserole and mom's homemade cranberry relish. I think most of my own happiness of all the years with a good man and a family that we have made together and the absorbing work everything that followed a single season of loss and only because I listened to my dad because I went home. See, that story struck me in many ways as in many ways that which you and I celebrate and recognize 
this weekend here as we celebrate this solemnity of Christ the King, the domain of Jesus' reign, a home, a home, a place where we're always welcomed, a home where we're loved, a home where we're forgiven, a home where we're cared for and cared about. See, Jesus' love reigns, I think, truly in our ordinary, simple, well-lived-in houses. It's into that kingdom, that paradise, that the crucified Jesus welcomed that good thief. See, on this very last Sunday of the church year, we honor Jesus as Christ the King, whose rule is, of course, one of humble service. We remember Jesus, whose power is always compassion, whose scepter is humility, whose coin is forgiveness and reconciliation. Jesus, the king whose court welcomes you, always welcomes us and welcomes the poor and all those who feel forgotten or lost. It's the place that welcomes those who feel in that place of despair in their lives. See, you and I make our simple homes and our dwelling places of humble welcome and grateful care where the love of Jesus joyfully reigns. And we're called to create those places and those homes where all are welcomed, where all find a place at the table. See, it seems a bit odd that the gospel story we hear today, of course, is the crucifixion of Jesus. Oh, those horrible, powerful words and experiences that Luke shares with us, that it was not only the Roman soldiers who mocked Jesus, but also the people who were there witnessing his crucifixion. They laughed at him. They told him to save himself if he was truly the king of the Jews. Most people looking at that scene would never have believed that that man nailed to a cross could somehow be a king. He looked too weak. He looked too powerless. But Luke tells us that there was at least one person there who recognized Jesus as a king. It was that thief who was crucified beside him Oh, scriptures tell us very little about that man. However, we do know that if he was being crucified, he had to have been some type of hardened criminal. Though he was suffering greatly, he doesn't join in with the other criminals in mocking Jesus. Like Pilate in some ways, he recognizes Jesus is innocent. But unlike Pilate, he also acknowledges that Jesus 
is who he says he is. A king with a kingdom. And so he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Oh, it's incredible, hard for us to realize just how remarkable it is because you and I look upon Jesus on the cross and you and I know the end of the story. And he'll rise from the dead and descend to his Father in heaven. But the criminal didn't know that. He had no understanding that Jesus would rise from the dead. Yet somehow in that broken body, he was able to see Jesus. He was able to see him as a king. And because of his faith, Jesus promised him salvation. Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I think in God's kingdom, you and I are to look at one another with the eyes of the one who tradition now calls Dismas the criminal nailed with Jesus. See, how often do we look at other people and think, oh, that poor thing, why don't they just give it up? You're going out to dinner with who? Why would you go out with them? Why waste your time with her? She can't help you in any way. But see, Dismas looks at Jesus and somehow he looks at him and he sees a goodness. He sees a divinity. He sees a kingdom. He sees suddenly what no one else there seems to see. I pray that I will always See the divinity in those who approach me and those to whom I encounter. I saw it in all of their faces when I went into the choir room before Mass. And I felt my heart leap for joy. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom.